Okay, good evening. Good evening. Hey, thank you to the Zussman family for sponsoring the shear tonight. The shear is sponsored by Louis Nishmas, Richard Donoff, Chaim Ben Zev, Wolf Moshe Halevi, on his Shloshim. This is Mrs. Zussman's father as we approach his uh, Shloshim, the 25th of ER. An incredible, very kind, compassionate, loving husband, father, and grandfather, his neshama should have an aliyah. The topic this evening is counterculture, surviving and thriving in the storm of society. Some people like the Jews, and some do not. But no thoughtful man can deny the fact that they are, beyond any question, the most formidable and the most remarkable race which has appeared in the world. That was Winston Churchill. So you can like us, you might not like us, but anyone looking with an objective perspective on history, on life, it's impossible to reject the reality of everything that we as a Jewish nation, we've brought to the world, we've uplifted the world, the light of morality, of equality, of compassion, of justice, and the list goes on. However, as Jews, sometimes we could be bashful, we could be a little bit embarrassed, to stand strong and proud and to show that, yes, I am Jewish, and perhaps I do things slightly different than you. Shlomo Karabach used to say that when he would go onto a college campus trying to find Jewish students, so he would ask people, what religion are you? Sometimes the response was, I'm Christian or I'm Muslim. And then sometimes the response would be, I'm a human being. And Shlomo said, I knew he was a Jew. So sometimes we're bashful. We're not proud of the fact. We don't demonstrate. We don't express. And uh, this is something that can be, can be a negative in our overall growth as individuals, as a culture, as a family. We can't be embarrassed to stand strong and proud of the fact that, yes, we are part of this very special nation. We are part of the history and the destiny of Kalal Yisrael. And because of that, we have a special mandate. And that's okay. Shimshin Pincus tells the story that there was a Hasidish man on the train this takes place in New York. And another Jew walked over to the, the Chassid and said, why do you have to be standing here in this old-fashioned garb with your long coat and your silly hat? You know, you, you, you're making us look bad. And the Chassid said back to this fellow, um, excuse me, do you think I'm an Orthodox Jew? I'm, I'm Amish. And immediately, right, mamish foot in the mouth. So I, I'm sorry. I, you know what? It, it is so. It's so impressive how you're able to maintain your your culture and your traditions. And even though you are different, to be able not not to be ashamed of that. And then the chassid said, "Actually, I'm I'm a chassid. But why is it that it's okay for them to be them, and it's okay for the Italians to be Italians?" and the Greeks to be Greeks, but it's not okay for the Jew to be a Jew. A similar story of Shemshin Pincus tells of a, a young lady 
uh, was standing with her grandmother. Her grandmother was telling her something in Yiddish. And she was a little bit embarrassed. Safta, not here in Yiddish, everyone's going to see. But then her grandmother pointed out, the people next to you are wearing a turban and they have a dot on their forehead. And they're okay with that. Right? And this fellow over here, right, he's speaking Romanian. And he's fine with that. I could speak Yiddish to you also. Why should we be more ashamed? Why should we be less proud than any other nation on this planet? Rav Shimshin Pincus continues. He says, The quality and the beauty of a Jew is most expressed when we're proud and we're strong as Jews. Not that we're flaunting anything, not that we're trying to prove a point to anybody, and obviously we always have to keep in mind the overall mandated mission of the Jewish people, like we spoke about in a previous Hashkafa discussion in Or Lagoyim, we're here to uplift and influence those around us, but we can't be ashamed to be ourselves. Rav Aaron Feldman, great Mashashiv in Baltimore, once said that Judaism is under attack from all quarters. The most serious attack is the infiltration through various means of the value system of our host nations into our society, resulting inevitably in our assimilation of those values. We must bring to the attention of our people, and especially our children, what true Jewish values are and why we reject the culture of the nations. We are all subject to a subtle, ongoing indoctrination in Western civilization's view of life, as centered on man and his attainment of physical pleasure. Nearly every advertisement contains the suggestion that the purchase of a particular product will assure us the satisfaction of physical desires, of pleasure or of personal recognition and importance. Aaron Feldman said, Judaism is and always has been a counter-cultural force in human society. As long as we remain steadfast in our own beliefs and values, we will flourish. It is only when we begin to adopt the cultural understandings of the other nations, then we fail. We must take up the battle to teach our fellow Jews that survival, continuity, depends upon maintaining our uniqueness as a nation. So we've always been a counter-cultural force in the world. And that's true going back more than 3,800 years into history. Avram Avinu, who changed the world dramatically, was countercultural. Right? People didn't appreciate who he was. People would make fun of the, the belief system that he had. But you're only able to change the world if you're ready, willing, and able to be different than the world. It's an interesting idea when it comes to halacha as well. There are conversations within the halacha of Tznius. The, the phrase minag right? There are certain things that are objectively, we have guidelines, and then there are certain things we find in Chazal that it's based on minag the practice of this particular community, what the norms are. And sometimes, if the minag is to be more lenient in a particular area of Tznius, so then halakhically one has that right. But sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is the purpose of us being here just to kind of seamlessly transition 
and assimilate into the minig hamakum around us. This is what's normal and therefore we'll just do it also. Or do we have a higher level she'ifa? We have a greater ambition that I'm not here just to transition into the minig hamakum, but I'm here to uplift the minig hamakum. And if I could be instrumental in, in, in directing that minig hamakum to a more holy and beautiful place, then I want to be a part of that, even if it means presently I'm standing a little bit outside of what the norm is present. I want to share with you a, a beautiful piece from Pizetz Rebbe. This is in the Tzad Bezirah, as a safer we quote often, where he speaks about having the strength and having the courage to be able to fight against that current of the stream of ideas that are oftentimes foreign to our own. As a torrent river surges forth, sweeping with it all that lies in its path, penetrating into deep recesses and washing away all buried things, so does the torrent of public opinion sweep along the individual mind. You may not know it, you may even deny it, but you have been brainwashed by common belief. Carried along, perhaps more, perhaps less, you now think along the same twisted lines. So stay away from the middle of the river, says the Pizetz Rebbe. Don't be concerned with what people say. Don't be obsessed with how you're viewed. But this alone will not protect you because you cannot completely seclude yourself. Who can vouch that your wife or children will not be swept away along with the flow? They will then be in the open floodgates to bring those flood waters inside your home. And who could abstain from breathing that air that carries the germ of public opinion? Thoughts and opinions are beyond time and space and flow from mind to mind in quantum leaps. So much of what people think and believe and assumed to be morally correct. It penetrates our mind and our hearts even if we're not directly exposed to it. Nor can you remain static in this torrid river just by standing firm in your place. Meaning to say, it's not enough to try to stand still. Right? Standing your ground against that, that current is not sufficient. You must actively swim against the flow. You must keep on pushing and fighting because otherwise you have no chance of at least remaining in the spot that you're in. And the Pizesna Rebbe continues, he concludes by saying, if you don't try swimming upstream, then you'll be swept away down the stream. The only chance you have is to keep on fighting. Now, it's interesting when we think in halachic terms. It's true that on one hand we have all of this encouragement not to be embarrassed, not to be bashful. If I'm wearing my tzitzis out in public and someone's going to recognize me as an Orthodox Jew, that's okay. I'm proud of that. But is there ever a time where my own feelings of being a little bit insecure or, or bashful can that ever have an impact on the halacha, on what I could and should be doing right now? I think most of us would assume, of course not. Who cares what you think? Be a man, do what you gotta do, 
and deal with it. Why would your subjective feelings play a role in what the objective halacha is? However, we do know that the Gemara speaks about the idea of kavod habrios. Kavod habrios, human dignity, can push aside an iser, an iser and it can even allow one to forgo being mekayim a mitzvah deraisa. So, for example, a person is walking and somebody points out, wait one second, that suit, is that a Tommy Hilfiger suit? Yes, it is. Do you know that Tommy Hilfiger is filled with shotness? No, I didn't realize that. Not a good thing. It happens to be, right, hypothetically, it's shatnas derabanan. It's not deraisa, but it's shatnas derabanan. So now you have two options. Option number one is take off the suit right there and continue walking home without any clothing on. Option number two is quickly get home, take off the suit, and change into something else. What is the halacha in this case? Right. Option, option two. Because we're discussing right now in this hypothetical case a question of shatnas derabanan, and kavod habrios can push aside, can allow you to do an iser derabanan. So don't stand there and enjoy it, get home and change, but in the meantime, my human dignity is allowing me to do something that, generally speaking, is actually aser. So that's an example where my feelings of, of insecurity or discomfort can actually play a role in halacha. Now the idea behind this, this is the Gemara and Brachos, and the post can speak about this in many places throughout Shulchan Aruch, the idea is because when Chazal created any particular Isser, they did not want their Isser to infringe on human dignity. And if there's ever a conflict, they incorporated into the halacha, I want you to feel comfortable and dignified and not have to sacrifice on these basic human necessities. So does this mean, take the, another example. I am now standing at the airport, Terminal 4, <coughs> waiting for the flight, and it turns out that it is almost Shkia. Sunset is upon us. So I have to daven mincha. Only problem is, everyone else is looking. I'm uncomfortable davening mincha in front of thousands of people. Could you potentially use the same argument? Kavod habrios. Maybe kavod habrios. It makes me uncomfortable. I'm, I'm bashful. I'm shy. I'm going to be standing here going back and forth. Everyone's going to be looking at me. So maybe kavod habrios would allow me to skip mincha. Does that sound right? No. It doesn't sound right. So what's the difference between the case of wearing shatnas, where you're allowed to keep the clothing on, you don't have to take it off, and the case of forcing yourself to daven mincha because I don't care that it's uncomfortable, this is an obligation, do what you got to do. What's the conceptual difference? That was their Rabbanan shatnas, though. What was their Raisa shatnas? Raisa would be different. If it's a real Raisa shatnas, you take it off right there and then and deal with the consequences. Yes. So what's the difference between these two cases? I'm going to share with you a powerful idea from Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer. 
Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer was one of the great disciples of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, and he writes as follows. He says, the only time that Kavod Hambrios can serve as, a, as an exemption, you don't have to do this mitzvah, or you're allowed to do this Isra Durbanan, is in a situation where the reason why I'm feeling embarrassed because, is because the mitzvah, meaning choosing to do the right thing, is going to cause something that's objectively a busha. In the case of shatnas, if I have to take off my clothing, why am I embarrassed? Am I embarrassed because, oh, everyone's going to think that it's strange that I care about having a mixture of wool and linen in my suit? Is that why I'm embarrassed? I don't care about that. I just don't want to be standing here without the suit. So the embarrassment is coming from something that is more intrinsic to humanity. Standing in this way will be disrespectful. That's a lack of dignity. In the case, though, when you're trying to avoid davening mincha at the airport, why are you embarrassed? You're embarrassed about the mitzvah itself. People are going to see me praying and they might think that's strange. Then, explains Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer, there's no concept of Kavod Habrios. HaKadosh Baruch Hu would tell you, I understand this might be difficult for you, but this is a Nisoyon, and you have to try to work past it. And sometimes it takes a Gavrakite, you have to have a courage, and it might feel kind of strange. If the reason why I'm embarrassed is because I'm doing the Ratzon Hashem, I'm doing the will of God, I'm fulfilling the mitzvah, but this mitzvah looks strange to you, that's not a reason to not do the mitzvah. Right? You hear that distinction? So when we speak about being able to push through feelings of insecurity and to be proud, this is not at all a conflict to the concept of Kavod HaBrios. Now how do we get there? How do we get to a point where if there are certain things that I feel awkward with, or mitzvos that I do or saying a bracha when I'm at work around other people that don't say brachos, how do I get to a point where not only I'm able to push through that sense of hesitation, but I could almost thrive in that setting? How do I get there? Listen to the holy words of Ramosha Feinstein. Ramosha Feinstein writes in the beginning of Parshas Kedoshim, Generally speaking, when we read Rashi, Kedoshim to you, Rashi explains that Prushim and Arayos, you should be separated from immorality. What does it mean to be separated? So Ramosha Feinstein explains, it doesn't just mean not overindulging in the physical pleasures and desires of this world, but rather, HaKavana B'zeh Adam Margil Atzmo, Kedoshim to you is actually a requirement. It's an obligation to be margil atzmo, to train yourself to do that which the outside world does not do. Ad mehem until the point where it becomes more natural, where I'm no longer as as constrained 
by what public opinion may or may not be. V'hainu shemeshana es tivo shalo, Ramosha explains, this means that I'm working on changing my teva, of transforming my nature, shalo kishar anshe olam, that I don't have to be like everybody else, and that's okay. And not only is it okay, but listen to this line, ad sheyirtza mitzad tivo lasos lehefech mihem, you could actually bring yourself to a point where I'm not only able to do that which may, which, which may be viewed as strange, but I could thrive in that situation. I'm not just surviving it, but I'm growing through it, and I almost look forward for those opportunities. It's not about wanting to look strange. Nobody wants to look strange, and we try not to look strange. But if there is a situation where the call of the hour is, this is what a Kaddish Baruch wants from you, and I know that other people may not appreciate it, and they may even look down on me for doing it, I could get to a point, says Ramosha, that if I keep on being margil myself, I keep on training myself, then it becomes something that I actually look forward to. It's a test. It's, 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 there's a drive to be there and to push through it. Now how do we... How do we work on being margal ourselves? How do I keep on doing those things that might be countercultural and feel okay with it to the point where I actually enjoy it and I'm standing strong and proud? How do I do that? And this brings us really to the last part of our discussion, to the importance of being together with other people who are also countercultural. If you're one man standing alone on an island doing something that no one else in the world is doing, you're not going to last. It's almost humanly impossible to maintain that strength and that commitment. If we're really pushing, trying to revolutionize ourselves and the world around us, the only way to do that is to do it together with others. The Sefer Achinoch actually says in this week's Parsha, we have the mitzvah of Tekiah Shofar at the end of Yovel. After 50 years, Yovel comes, and then Yom Kippur, and the Tekiah is sounded, and at that point, all of the Avadim go free. All of the Eved Evriyim go free. What is the point of blowing the Shofar to, to make this declaration? Right? Just have a clap on the bima. Nurabaisai, send the Avadim home. Why? Why Tekiah Shofar? And it's heard all throughout the land. So explains the Sefer Echinuch. Because we understand the power that the Kol Shofar has to awaken, to awaken the heart. And when it comes to sending away of Adam, these were not slaves in the, in the sense that you viewed them as chattel. These people were B'nai Beso. They were part of your house, part of your family. They were integrated into your life. And now you're being called upon to free them. Freeing them means financially there's going to be a major loss you're going to have to deal with. And emotionally, you're really losing part of your family. Not only was it hard for the Adon, but it was also difficult for the Avadim themselves. Sefer Rechinach says, these are Avadim who had an Ava who chose to be with their, with their master, to stay with their family because they had a, a feeling of love and connection. 
So it was a very difficult thing to do, and you can imagine, right, tearing families apart to some degree. That was the obligation of Yovah. So explains the Sefer Echinuch. Kosher ma'od be'ene adona. It was so difficult. But therefore, to be ma'or leiv habriyos al-inyin al-lechazeg nafsham. To awaken and to strengthen everyone in this mitzvah. Through the kol shofar, birosam ki hadover hashavahu aretz. What made it easier for every individual family was when they heard the shofar blasting throughout the land and they realized shehakol osin came. It's not just me, but we're all in this together. We're all going through this very difficult separation right now of sending these avadim home. It was, it's all of us that are commanded on this. And here we have in the famous far, far reaching words of the Sefer Adam. There is nothing in the world that could strengthen the hearts of man as much as when we do something together. How did it make it easier? Ultimately, we still had to go through the same separation, that same emotional disconnect. But the fact that I know that I'm doing this with you, and we're a chevra, that makes it easier. In order to really maintain a sense of, a sense of healthy, countercultural life, to stand up strong as Jews, that means we have to have a strong community. That means we have to have a strong family where we could be in this together. I'm not the odd man out. I'm not the crazy one. We're creating a sense of reality because we believe this is reality. And it's hard to fight against the current over and over again until the point where I'm not only able to, but I actually look forward to those opportunities. That's why there's such a need to have a community, to have a sense of association that I'm together with these chevra. Just to say, well, I'm part of Klal Yisrael, that's true, but that's not going to carry you through the day. There has to be more of an emotional attachment. This is my yeshiva. This is my community. This is my shul. We're in this together. We're building together. We have a joint mission. We have a joint vision. Then, even if we're doing something different than anybody else, or everybody else, I have the strength of the tzibur behind me. Shakol osin kein. We're all doing this. She'ein dover she'achazek libos b'nei adam k'mamaisa harabim. I want to conclude by sharing a story I mentioned a few weeks ago, Shabbos morning, that there is an interview that took place with Rabbi Shlomo Lawrence and Harry Roosevelt. This took place in the 1950s, Harry Truman, rather, excuse me. And uh, Rabbi Shlomo Lawrence, who's been on the part of the Knesset, the Israeli government, for many, many decades, in the 1950s, he had a conversation with Truman, basically asking, why was it that he was really the first world leader to recognize the state of Israel? After the vote of the UN, 11 minutes later, he was the first of all world leaders to officially recognize Israel as its own country. And Truman explained, 
He said, the truth is, there was a lot of debate in the cabinet and people had different views strategically as to what makes the most sense. And on one hand, it didn't really make that much sense. We had so many connections and ties to the Arab world. There were tens of millions of Arabs where we were financially involved and oil and other resources. And now you have 600,000 Jews who happen to be living in Palestine and they want their own country. Why in the world would we support that knowing full well that's going to bring on the wrath of the entire Arab world? So he told the Shlomo Lawrence, he said, I'll tell you though, when I was younger, growing up, my father was very religious. He would read me Bible stories Sunday morning. And I remember him reading me the story about Cyrus, Koresh, who allowed the Jews to go from Persia back into Israel and to build the second temple. And as a young boy, like many young Americans, I had a dream of becoming the president. And I always thought to myself, wouldn't that be incredible if I could somehow be instrumental in allowing the Jews to go back to their land? And I knew Jewish families, Truman said. There were families in the community, they were religious, and they were very sweet and dignified, and sometimes they would ask me to come over to turn on or off a light, and they'd give me a slice of bread, challah. So I had, I had a nice feeling towards them. Time passed, and obviously World War II ended the way it did, the first time and the only time in human history that atomic weapons were used. And I knew, together with Stalin, that they also had that capacity, we understood that the world with this level of power is in danger. And I could only imagine, he said in the 1950s, I could only imagine looking into the future as you have this proliferation of nuclear weapons throughout the world, more of the, the risk, the existential risk of the continuity of the human race. So I thought to myself, as I, were hearing, as I was hearing different views back and forth in my cabinet, whether or not to recognize officially the land of Israel, I thought to myself, if this Jewish nation somehow had the power, had the influence, more than 3,000 years ago, to take the world that was dark and barbaric and primitive and superstitious and somehow bring in the light of morality and a direction of godliness, then my personal feeling was the only chance we have of survival in the future is having a Jewish people who are strong, who have their own place to be able to thrive. So the, the unique role of Kalal Yisrael in the world, that was noticed, that was understood to some capacity, right, by, by Truman. How much more so do we have that very holy obligation to recognize that yes, we are special, and yes, we do have a role, and I don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed, and yes, most of what we do, a lot of what we do is countercultural, but I'm willing to deal with that, and not only am I willing to deal with that, I could even thrive within a society that might not appreciate it. Have a wonderful night. I think the rabbi had